Big Fluff. I settled. I saw my lawyer today, and I settled. Okay. It's not okay. It's like saying, you know, I'm fine. I'm over it. It's what everybody wants me to feel anyway. Even Donna. It's been so good. Or my mother. Only the plane crashed, sweetie. You gotta bounce. That was her take on it. So that's what I've been doing. Bouncing. It's just like crashing, except you get to do it over and over again. Yeah, I know you. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are continuing Ben Affleck rom-com month, and only one-third of that last statement is true. Uh, ben Affleck. I yeah, Ben Affleck is the true part. I swear, though, with 100% honesty, this is the only movie we're watching this month that could not be classified as a rom-com. Yeah, I mean, we're off track this week, but come back next week when we're back we'll, on we'll the rails. The ship. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would you, is this a, this is a term that I invented watching this, but would this be like a rom-trage? <laughs> this is a rom-trage. Yeah. It's not a rom-com. But we, we, no, we used to, I, like, I had that in my head. I don't know if other people did, I, but obviously you did. Like, we, we both, I think, assumed that this was going to be a rom-com. And then very quickly, we're like, oh, no. Well, all right. So let's, we watched Bounce. Oh, yeah. Uh, we the, even said the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We watched Bounce, the Gwyneth Paltrow, Ben Affleck vehicle from the year 2000. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting the blame for this squarely on the shoulders of Google. Yeah, sure. As I entered as a search term, Ben Affleck rom-coms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got the other ones we watched this month. And this was on that same list. Yeah. And it's in some ways, I understand it because and that's why like, I do like the term uh, rom-trage because it doesn't roll off the tongue in the same way as rom-com. But uh, it's. The, I think what this movie has that makes it feel like it. So what it doesn't have is comedy. <laughs> so no, let's be none. clear about that. It's not funny at all, but it kind of <laughs> does what a lot of rom-coms do, which is creates a situation where two people are in love with each other, but there is a huge secret looming over them that. The one, you know, usually the male character, but not always, but uh, wants to confess, but for reasons either, depending on the quality of the writing, either, you know, pretty understandable reasons or very artificial plot driven reasons. Or just flat out stalkery reasons. Or stalkery reasons that they can't uh, tell the other person. And... And I, th that is a very rom-com staple, and this movie does that, but, like, it's sad. No, this movie hits the rom-com beats. There's the establishing shot of the male, of the lead character. In this case, it's definitely Ben Affleck. Um, it takes a long way getting to what 
is technically a meat cute. Uh, that's probably the most rom-com scene is when they meet because and again, it's a, it is stalkery in that. All right, well, let's set it up real quick and then we can yeah. we can dive into the ways that it is and isn't a rom-com. But essentially, the plot is this and it's bonkers. Well, actually, just one one thing I think we have to okay. clarify. Um, we said this movie is not funny. It isn't trying to be. Right, right. It's a drama. It's a straight it's a, drama. It's a flat out drama. Yeah, yes. it's not like it has comedy and it misses. It There isn't comedy in it. It is not endeavoring to be funny. Right. But so, so that is important to get out of the way. But yeah, so the, the pitch is this. And, and keep in mind that this was 2000. That'll be important in five seconds. But uh, so we we open with Ben Affleck. He's a, he's an ad man. He's he's a Don Draper type. Uh, he makes commercials and he's in an airport and he's uh, hitting on Natasha Henstrich. I, hit, I, say, I feel like I Henstridge. Henstridge. Yeah. Henstridge. Henstridge. Romtrach. Yeah. <laughs> Natasha Romtrach. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's flirting with Natasha Romtrach. And uh, they're hitting it off. They're also they're in this airport where like flights are being canceled. It's snowing. In Chicago. It's in Chicago. And while he's flirting with her, this other guy uh played this it's Tony Goodwin, right? I think that's Goldwin. Goldwin. I've man, I am off on the last names. I apologize. And not only so just a little background on Tony Tony Goldwin. He is the grandson of the Goldwin from MGM. Oh, I should have gotten that last name right then. Of Metro Goldwyn Mayer. He is uh of the that Goldwyn. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know John Mayer is actually the grandson of Mayer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh the DC Metro is the grandson, the grandson of, of that, that Metro. Yeah. So there you now you know all those. Yeah, all of them. Uh, they should do a movie together, John Mayer, Tony Goldwyn and the DC Metro. I, and it should be a, like a remake of that film Unstoppable that Denzel Washington and No, here it is. Okay. John Mayer. Sorry. No, yeah, here's yeah. here's the pitch. John Mayer is a busker. In the DC Metro. I love it. All right. Okay. And uh, Tony Goldwyn is a loose cannon cop, and then it's unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. And based on things that I've seen in real life, uh, so part of his Goldwyn's character is that he refuses to wear a mask or pay his fare as he's yes. getting on the Metro. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. Yeah, it, it is true. Uh, um, no, and then, and then in the big twist... Uh, the busker was actually the one that was uh, causing all the problems. He's like uh, just like an eco-terrorist or something. Right. He should, they should do that thing. It should invert that old trope where he has a guitar case and it has a guitar in it, but also a gun, you know? Yeah. And then it's just uh, yeah. the third act of Desperado. Obviously, it's the third act of Desperado. Yeah. And I'm sorry, right. we didn't say it, but the Metro plays the Metro. So I just yeah. typecasting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that goes without saying. Yeah. I, yeah, that should be out there. The Metro plays itself. Yeah, and I oh, apologize. And then you have in the credits um, introducing DC Metro as itself. Yeah, which is a good move for DC Metro because I know that its feelings have been hurt ever since DC Cab got that movie decades right. ago. And it's been really like it has had to hear about it. And like, even though Uber and, and Lyft have completely destroyed the cab industry. DC cab still not letting it go like still no, on it's to still that. not and you know the metro may have seen some better days but I think this is good rehabilitation campaign yeah. for the and, and again based on the real DC metro a lot of the plot line revolves around there's uh, what John Mayer's very upset about is people eating food yes <laughs> or drinks and there are too few trains and there's too few trains and All the right. yellow line exists for some reason sorry yeah yeah, yeah. okay 
<laughs> now we got all that. Okay, so the grandson of of MGM, uh, he's in the air. He's in the Chicago airport. He's got a wife and kids. He apparently wrote a terrible play that is yes. in Chicago that is closed. It got bad reviews, and he's trying to get home to his family for Christmas because he writes books or something he writes for tv he, yeah he writes he also for wrote a play exactly he writes for tv but he had this play uh and the play is already closed because it got such bad reviews and so he's gonna go home to his family for christmas but he because the the they're canceling flights they're overbooked on flights he took a voucher to basically take a later flight but then ben affleck starts you know he's such a ladies man that he's like well hey maybe i want to stay and you know see what happens with this lady so he convinced okay and there's also a little bit of him like wanting to help this guy get home to his family and it, yeah i mean it's it's a win-win it's not like he's manipulating the guy it's like i think you want to go home and see your family you only did this to save money uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna trade tickets with you you know i'm gonna give you my ticket uh because he doesn't even trade to he doesn't take the guy's ticket or the voucher or anything he just literally is going to give him his plane ticket you know and and luckily, Jennifer Gray works at the airport. And, and she has no morals. None. And she just lets it happen. Yeah, she so Ben Affleck like walks him up to the gate and is just like, he's me. And again, this is the year 2000. So she's like, yeah, whatever. And then uh, he gets on the plane and the plane crashes. And he dies. Uh, just to be clear. Uh, yes, he dies in the in the fiery wreckage. Um. What a crazy idea for a Ben Affleck romance movie to start with uh, a plane accident mm -hmm. as the inciting event. That's unique and original, and we haven't talked about it this month. Well, and we haven't talked about the fact that, you know, that happens. Uh, a lot of original things are happening, or the fact that Joe Morton is in this movie with Ben Affleck. That's, that's different from a lot. Yes, totally <laughs> different. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's all that. Yep. Anyways. So uh, Ben Affleck is feeling some survivor's guilt. There's obviously some confusion uh, with Gwyneth Paltrow plays uh, Tony Metro's wife. Sorry, Tony Mayer's wife. Uh, <laughs> She's not and, married to the DC Metro. Yes. Um, and there's obviously conflicting things like your husband was on the plane. Your husband wasn't on the plane. But of Sorry. course he was on the plane. Sorry. I, I'm distracted and I apologize for this, but because I said that she's not married to the DC Metro, I thought it, it just in my head, it occurred to me that it would be hilarious if every time they like unattached some of the trains in the Metro, they called it conscious uncoupling. Sorry. That's. Oh no, that's gold. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, sorry. that is. Uh, sorry, Metro the passengers. There will be a 20 it's minute a delay as uncoupling? we consciously uncouple the last car. <laughs> so, okay. All passengers, please move to the front four cars as we'll be consciously uncoupling them <laughs> to complete your journey to Hyattsville. Oh, man. Okay. So, yeah. So she at first is like, oh, cool. My husband's fine because he was going to take that later flight. And then what Ben Affleck also has to do is go back to the airport to tell Jennifer Grey, uh, oops, you got to change the manifest to put his name on it. Yeah. Because he died. Because he died and nobody's going to know that he died because he's not officially on the plane. I am. And, and then, I'm yeah, not dead. But yeah, so he has survivor's guilt. Uh, he blames Superman uh, for this tragedy and he fouls. But revenge. their mothers both have the name Martha, so everything's OK. So he lets that go. Uh, he um, he becomes an alcohol. Well, I mean, he yeah, I guess he always was an alcoholic, but he his really alcohol alcoholism blossoms. 
Yes, after this, he gets. Oh, in- and well, and because uh, the ad firm that he works for is responsible is charged with the rehabilitation campaign for the airline, which they put him in charge of, and he wins an award for how good of a yeah, job a Clio, he does. A very real advertising award. Yes. Um. Yeah, and you can write letters to it. Um. And, uh. So he's. You could write them in the here and now. Yes. <laughs> so he's very upset, and uh, he. He's in recovery, like he ends up in recovery. We we do like a hard time jump that like was not eloquently done, but um, nor was it even like lower thirded or anything. No, it's just like there's two lines of dialogue to let us know that like a year has passed. Yeah, but uh, but he's in recovery and he's deciding he's at the step in AA where he wants to make amends. I'm pretty sure he didn't run this by his sponsor, but he decides that involves finding the widow of this guy who at this point does, she knows her husband's dead, but she doesn't know any of this. She doesn't know about the, the switching the plane. She doesn't know anything. So I think it definitely gets into this weird. Are you even making amends? What are you, this is for you. This isn't, she this doesn't is 100% it. for you. This is not get, this will never give her the closure she needs. If anything, yeah. it will reopen wounds. Yes. Make things worse. And so you're only absolving yourself of your guilt, but he finds her, she sells real estate. He manipulates her into buy like he he claims that he's looking for real estate and that that's how they meet, which is the meet cute that you alluded to, because she has a dog that is also named Buddy that tries to eat him. Right. Violently attacks him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like rips his suit, just tackles him to the ground. Yeah. Um, and this leads to one of the just dumbest things in the movie. Um, so Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Abby Janello, mm-hmm. smokes cigarettes so she can wean herself off of her nicotine gum addiction because she sympathy chewed nicotine gum because her friend was trying to quit cigarettes with nicotine gum. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It is. That's the dumbest thing that we, in any movie on this podcast, I'm, I'm going to just say it. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to let you, I'll, I'll allow it counselor. Uh, All right. <laughs> but, uh, but the yeah, defense rests. And again, if this was a rom-com, that might be like a, a quirky detail about her. I mean, also right. it is again, I'm not trying to pick on her, but it is Gwyneth Paltrow. So I don't even know that it feels unrealistic. <laughs> um, as she has quoted as saying that she allows herself one American spirit cigarette a week as a treat. Yes. I mean, you know, like this is <laughs> this is the person that has made an empire selling questionable goods for lots of money. So just selling a whole bunch of goop. <laughs> yes. So uh, also fun fact about Gwyneth Paltrow. This has nothing to do with anything else, but I just love pointing it out whenever I get a chance. She doesn't remember that she was in the movie Spider-Man Homecoming. It's yeah. just a fun fact about her. That is that is a true statement. That she, she, on den- the she show- denied being in the movie <laughs> to John Favreau's face, who was in the movie with her. She said was in I- the- they were in the same scene together. <laughs> he was telling her that they were in the movie and she was like, no, you're mistaken. <laughs> you're wrong about that, John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. What would he know about the Marvel movies? Yeah, not a thing. Anyway. OK, so so then they meet and they they fall in love and. Then this thing is also she lies to him. I get I think that's important. Oh, to yeah, notice. that's she. So she says that she is divorced because she doesn't want to. 
Yeah, she doesn't want to talk about the fact that her husband died, so she thinks it's easier to just say that they're divorced. That the and the, that is related. I like. I get that on some level. Yeah, well, especially yeah, if your husband died in a plane crash, if you say like I'm a widow, the oh everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, what happened? And then you're gonna have to get into. It. I get that totally. If you say my we're divorced, people don't ask follow up questions. They're like, oh okay. It's like oh, did he cheat on you? Yeah, maybe they was asked she that. young. Was it with the babysitter? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what they ask. Those are follow-up questions I ask whenever I hear someone's a divorcee. Even if they don't have kids, that's the weird thing. You're like, <laughs> Especially if they don't have kids. Well, because that is a red flag. That's If we can offer one tip, I mean, this is February, this is around Valentine's Day. If your husband is adamant about getting a babysitter and you don't have kids, you might be a redneck. I didn't mean to do that, but I realized as I was setting it up, that's what the cadence that of the joke. That it, it fit the mold. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so Jeff Foxworthy, if you're listening, and we know you are, yeah, career revival with that joke right there. I could probably write more of those, because I accidentally wrote that one. So it's actually, I get it. I, I think in that moment, I understood his entire career, because I'm like, that is actually really easy to do. Like, you can yeah. just, you could probably spout off like 50 of those in a day. Oh, easy. Yeah. And that's the last 10 minutes of your, of your hour. So then you just gotta find some others to just tell some rambling yarns about rural life which look just to be clear i know that we seem like coastal elites but uh jeff fox really is funny like i'm he not gonna funny. say no, I'm not, gonna, yeah. yeah no I, i'm we are ragging on him a little bit but no he is a good stand-up and deserved all of the accolades yeah, yeah like three quarters of that blue collar comedy tour is solid yeah ron white is a good comic I'm ron also, white I'm is the say, best i'd say he's yeah. the best of them bill engvall's fine and that's it Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've actually seen Ron White do stand up live and he's hilarious. He just tells stories. He's great. But yeah, yeah, he's so. he spins a good yarn. OK, and those are all the ones that we're going to talk about. Yep. Until right, so let's get so let's get her done with the plot of the movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. OK, so where where so we describe the plot? I mean, so that's the whole so thing. She's alive. And then yeah. uh Natasha Henstridge gives a videotape to. Well, well, so we get to the point. So eventually Gwyneth Paltrow admits that she's a widower, like once they get closer and he he starts bonding with her. He meets her kids. He bonds with her kids. And then he does the classic. Hey, tomorrow, there's something I got to tell you. Which is a very I don't want to tell you now on a plane, which actually I'm with. I'm with that. I I get it, too. And also your kids are here. I'm going to pull you aside tomorrow and tell you something. Yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, but then in that ensuing 24 hours, uh, she's yeah, the the woman that he was with shows up. And and the thing that we left out is, yeah, they she had a video camera. And so she, she and this is because actually, it was a film in the late 90s slash early aughts. So, so. you had you only got to know other people by pointing a video camera at them and asking them questions that happened everywhere all the time, constantly. Yes. But uh, but yeah, and this is actually this is understandable, too. Like it's a well, I mean, the timing is very rom-com timing, but that that, that is a rom-com twist. But 100 percent. But I feel like the explanation is sound because she basically says I was I had this footage and I was watching it recently and I realized your husband was on it. And then I had a business trip here and I thought you might want to see it, which like, yeah, it's the last night that your husband was alive. I met him. I want to give you this. This is footage of him. And I'm going to say a little, like a couple nice things about having met him. That's actually a very, it doesn't feel contrived in that sense. The timing no, feels contrived. The timing feels contrived, but it's a movie. So you have to give a little contrivance 
a pass. Yes. But so then she gives the tape and then, of course, Ben Affleck is on the tape. And, you know, that's bad because he's right. been lying this whole time. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, so they justifiably break up. Yeah. And she's like, get away. From-. She, do- she does an actual sweet thing to where she's like, she wants the kids to get to say goodbye, which I think is a good instinct. And then is like, get out and never talk to my kids again. Then a bonkers thing happens. Which is that the airline has been investigating what happened and they've been investigating Jennifer Gray and they're concerned about this manifest being changed and why it happened. And there's a trial and they get Ben Affleck to testify at the trial, which is on television. And he uses his testimony to win Gwyneth Paltrow back, which is also very rom-com. Yes. And then they also... I try I really I try very hard not to be like super pedantic when watching movies. I, I try to be forgiving. But the idea that this was on TV was already because it, it's it, look, I understand the plane crash is a huge story, but like they're televising Ben Affleck's testimony. And in this case, like the cameras being in there already felt like kind of a stretch. But then I also just happened to notice that. When they did the shots of the courtroom, there are no cameras in that courtroom. So, like, when you're actually in the courtroom and they show the crowd reacting, no one's pointing a camera at Ben Affleck, which is six inches from his face when he is testifying on TV. I don't know where those cameras are. Hidden. They're hidden. It was a a candid camera episode. Yeah. So that was a big prank. That was kind of shoddy that they forgot to put cameramen in the shot. Of the crowd during the, but anyway, so he he does the testimony, which I also, by the way, it's kind of an interesting thing where, obviously, he feels responsible. He's protecting himself, and he's kind of throwing Jennifer Gray under the bus. But also, like, what she did is bad. Like, she did it because she's friends with him and everything. But like, again, it, it, this is one year before nine eleven. But like, it's easy to imagine the many ways. That letting someone on a plane who is not on the manifest, who there's no record of, who you don't know, could go very badly. And I also feel like you could go to the desk with both people and switch tickets without issue. Yeah, especially then. I think it was even easier. I don't know why they don't switch the tickets, except to have this trial at the end. But anyway, somehow that is enough to win Gwyneth Paltrow back. And she comes to see him and they they walk on the beach together to end the movie. Yeah. Um So, why is this movie maligned? Uh besides being a huge effing downer the entire time, uh it it doesn't have like any soul to it. Yeah, it's just like it is yeah. it go if it really feels like it's going through the motions, it's really paint by numbers. And I think something that probably is working against it is that uh, I guess the original pitch for this movie was to do like a really serious drama and a producer or, you know, studio note was let's lighten it up a little bit. And they did. Which I don't really think they did. And and like. If anything, they just like. Downplayed reactions to the point that nothing felt. Significant. Yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe know, they added the fun meet cute scene and Johnny Galecki. Yes. Yeah, Johnny Galecki's in the movie. 
Oh, I, we, I figured when, when we get to other things to malign about this movie, we'd talk about Johnny Galecki, but... Yeah, he's, a, he's in the movie. Um, so that... I'm, yeah. Just, just to note that, if anyone's <laughs> curious. Just, just so you know. Yeah. And one of the other things, too, like, I think the, the rom-com trappings are actually working against it, because I will say this, that there is a moment... When she does kind of talk to him, once she knows the truth, like once she knows what's up, uh, or what I think is when, well, there is a scene. She's talking, she's like talking through it, and she kind of hits on this point that I think is a really good point that I found to be the most interesting idea in the movie, which is she realizes if I want to be, my issue is it's not even that he lied, you know, because I was lying to him, but the issue is. If I want to be with this guy, like if I am in love with him, that means that I kind of wanted my husband to die. Like because my husband took his place in order for us to be together, he had to die. So I'm kind of signing off on that in a way like it's sort of because I'm aware of this. I'm co-signing like I'm acknowledging that it was in some ways for me a good thing that this happened or like that I wanted it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, this um, the idea of the movie in and of itself, I don't think is a bad idea. Like, I don't I, I even think the idea that. Uh, the guy, you know, the, the whole situation and not being able to tell her right away that he's the reason because he starts to have feelings for her like that feels like a movie. Right. And that, but what I'm kind of saying is that I almost think that, like, my instinct for this, if you wanted to do the romantic stuff, is just get to the reveal. Like, don't wait until there's 20 minutes left in the movie for her to find no, out. Do it, do it early and then have, have the movie be a study of, of grief and, you know, moving through the stages of grief. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things, there's a lot of, like, really interesting things I think they could have done with the same, even the same plot skeleton. That could have well, worked. and then you could have even really because they, a thing that's established that it doesn't really play into anything is like, yeah, the guy was this failed playwright. You're this marketing guy. Maybe part of what he ends up doing, maybe the way that they're able to be together is you find a way to give this guy the recognition he never got in life. Like you're going to use your marketing skills to make his play better known, you know, to, to hold a, a rev- like a local staging of the play on the anniversary of his death, you know, like there's, there's ways that you could like take all these threads and that's a and, fucking rom-com ending right there. Right. That it, but it's, that feels like a better ending. Like it, because instead it's just like, it feels like the plot happens because the plot has to happen. And, and what you were kind of hinting at where it's just sort of rote, like it's just sort of hitting the beats that are expected that someone, someone opened up, save the cat. And we're like yeah. on this page, this is supposed to happen, you know? Well, and they could have also done parallels of Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, coming to terms with losing her husband. Uh, and they could have also talked about, like, Ben Affleck's recovery could have been a little bit more central instead of he's just done drinking now. Yeah. Yeah, because that's everything that's introduced is not explored with any depth. His alcoholism isn't explored with any depth. Okay, he doesn't even have a sponsor. Like, I found that weird that... They were using they even mentioned that he does AA. I mean, he did hint that he didn't really like it. It didn't work for him, which is totally valid. There are many ways oh. to get over alcohol addiction. AA is just one of them. It is definitely not the end all be all. But yeah, 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 like 100 percent. But it's just like 
you're but that could you, have been the something they could have dove into yeah. yes but yeah you the movie are saying he's in aa but you're not actually even depicting that you're not even showing why he doesn't like it which would also be valid but like you're just saying it that's what i feel like a lot of things in this movie are just set even like Again, Joe Morton is an actor I love. I think he's in two scenes in this movie. He's barely a character. I don't really feel like I know much about him. He only he's shows the up. Boss. When, yeah, he only shows up when the plot needs him. He shows up to buy the new property with Ben Affleck and to fire Ben Affleck. Yep. That's it. The, he's and that's just why there. you get Joe Morton, a fantastic just like character actor, essentially. Yeah, that's a, the fact that they didn't write. Even the firing scene, give Joe Morton like a meaty because I think he's fired off camera. I don't even think we see it. He's just he he tells Johnny Galecki, which, man, we got the best of all worlds <laughs> that instead yeah. of a it's scene where scene. Joe Morton fa- fires him, we get a scene where he tells Johnny Galecki he was fired, that he got fired. Yeah. And Johnny Galecki's like, did I do that? And he pushes up his glasses. Bazinga. That's him, right? He's one of those. He's, 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 yeah, he's uh, Screech, I think. Yeah, he played Screech. Exactly. Yeah, he was, he was, he was Screech. Um, yeah, so, I, I, I mean, I think that, that is sort of the, like, this movie was a downer plot-wise, and it's okay for movies to be downers. There's a lot of movies I love that are incredibly depressing. Blue Valentine comes to mind as an incredibly yep. depressing movie. That I watched once, loved it, will never watch it again. Yeah, here's a that's a free tip. If you're Googling rom coms and for some reason Blue Valentine comes up, yeah, no, do some do some research. <laughs> that is not yeah, a good don't. first date movie. Yeah, no. Um but also go watch it at some point. It's a great movie. But, yeah, one hundred. But not when you're in the mood for a rom com. Yeah. No, if you're looking uh, for a, a lighthearted rom-com that's fun uh, with Michelle Williams, watch Take This Waltz. Like, that one's hilarious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just it has Sarah Silverman. Riot. You know it's funny. It's And Seth yeah. Rogen. Yeah. It's like, with that riot. cast, it's full of it's full of Those zany people. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, just another just hilarious romp with Michelle Williams. And someone that she had had been, uh, you know, attached to at some point. There's this movie, Brokeback Mountain, that's just mm-hmm. laugh a minute mix ups and rom and romance romantic foibles. It's wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a classic farce. You know, there's yeah. <laughs> mistaken identities and yeah. Oh man. All right. Uh, we I don't know. Where I mean, we're those at movies it. are as much of rom coms as this one is, and this showed up in a search engine search for Ben Affleck rom coms. No, le- no, legit. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, if um, this is a rom com, so, they are. Yeah. So Google, I definitely have a bone to pick with you about that because this is it does have Ben Affleck. It does involve romance. Two out of three, sure. Not I could- not even a little bit of comedy. I do kind of appreciate Google calling everyone's bluff of that nobody watched this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Prove us wrong. Oh, you think it's not a... Tell me why it's not a rom-com then. Uh... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, because no one watched Bounce. Uh, But it did get referenced in uh, possibly the best scene that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have been in, which is Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, honestly, a lot of these movies... (laughs) That we've been doing this month have been referenced in that scene, which he does. Re- Damon does refer to Ben Affleck as bounce boy. And yeah, mwah, 
Honestly, you know, I don't I don't have it prepared for this week, but maybe for next week to end the month, we should pull that clip and have it for the silver linings to to end the month. I think that would be nice. Yeah, there's there's a couple things that we should hit on for for next week for sure. Um I mean, should we pivot? Should we talk about what's good about well, no, this movie? No, no, we can't pivot okay. yet because there's one good. other thing and this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but I just want to say it on the record before we pivot. Water parks are gross. They are <laughs> disgusting cesspools. And here in the year 2022, when hopefully we are at a, a point where maybe this global pandemic might start to wind down and we might find a way to at least like incorporate everything into our lives and, and return to some sense of normalcy, whatever that may mean in the future. Let's burn all the water parks to the ground. They they are just gross germ factories. Oh, They're disgusting. They fun. They're disgusting. So gross. Like I don't so know. Maybe gross. you didn't have that reaction, but I in in 2022 to watch the the endearing scene where Ben Affleck is taking Gwyneth Paltrow's kids to a water park and just being like, "No, yeah, get out, no, yeah." Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I did not like that, and I just wanted, yeah. I want to say but water that. water slides are really fun. I mean, look, there was a time in my life that I loved water parks, but it's gone now. That's <laughs> yeah, a relic those, of the, the old days. Yeah, those, those, that's from the before times, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So I just wanted to say that, but now we can pivot. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you had something, and then I thought I, I did something. too. I have something. Okay, let's 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 hear what you got. Well, I have a, I'm going to tie all this together. So I was reading a little bit about the movie, and apparently Ben Affleck. So Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow. I assume people know they dated, but yes. what they might not know timeline wise, because I didn't remember this, is like they were broken up by the time they made this movie. They'd already dated yes. and weren't dating. And apparently, she actually reached out to him because she was attached to do this, and she kind of said like, "I think you should do this movie because." It's going to allow people to see a different side of you. Like, I know you. We dated. I want people to see that you have more range than you've been able to show. So come do this movie with me, which I already think is cool. I already think that is a yeah. silver lining. And um, then because you know what? Ben Affleck has never played a slick talking ad guy who gets mopey because he's unlucky in love. Well, he's never been Fuck in you, a Gwyneth not Paltrow. <laughs> but also like. You know, but he's never I mean, done a drama like this. That, that at that point, he'd been very lighthearted, fair, and dumb action movies. Yeah, he didn't get to do a lot of dramatic stuff, and he he's more known, I feel like, these days for dramatic work. But uh, but yeah, all of that being like, said, too, like Batman v Superman, Batman v Superman, uh, colon Dawn of Justice, um, a very dramatic work, uh, obviously. But I liked this scene quite a bit with him and the kid who feels who's like you met yeah, my dad no, that was like, that, that's his stuff with the kids was really i think felt very real very well done yeah because there's one particular see after everyone finds out he comes to try to see gwyneth Paltrow. she's not home but the kid's hanging out on the front lawn and now that the kid knows like you knew my dad he's like well can i ask you something and it's essentially like was he flying home to get christmas trees with me because he had talked about that and I essentially, I, a child, am convinced in my brain that it was my fault because we were supposed to do this thing the next day, that I'm the reason that he took the earlier flight. And and he like Ben Affleck really sweetly lets him off the hook and is like, that isn't what it was like. Your dad mentioned work 
like he you know he it had nothing to do with you he loved you he was a cool guy i really liked getting to know him uh it wasn't your fault yeah no i thought that i thought that was a good scene i i mean i thought that their relationship felt real like it didn't feel forced um yes. both with the kids and with gwyneth paltrow like i didn't think it felt forced yeah no like they, you can see that he and gwyneth paltrow have chemistry uh you know they're as much as i <laughs> You know, uh, took some shots at her current day uh, business adventures and such like she's you can see in this movie Gwyneth Paltrow at the peak of just like I am a, you know, dawning star like she's she's good in this. She you know, this is this is the Gwyneth Paltrow that launched the career <laughs> like, you right. know, this. Yeah, this is why she was definitely the it girl for a good five or six years there between the late 90s and the early aughts. Yeah, and you can see that watching this. You totally understand it. Like, she, she's, yeah, everybody's good in this movie. Even Galecki. He is, because he's playing a human being and not a drawing of an 80s nerd. That, right. Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. Galecki um, yeah, used to be good at acting. I watched Roseanne. That guy used to be good. <laughs> Dude, I love Suicide Kings unapologetically, and Galecki's a big reason for that. Yeah, he just at some point, maybe not realizing how big the show is going to be, played a parody of a nerd and got stuck doing it for a decade and made more money than any of us will ever see in our lifetimes doing it. So don't feel that, bad. That for is. Him. Yeah. So I, I've. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. I would do the same. <laughs> I probably for what he got paid. I probably would, too. I'm not going to pretend like I wouldn't. Yeah. I, for a million dollars an episode, I would bazinga. Yeah, we all would. Yeah, you know you'd bazinga if that happened. Um, yeah. I'll start saying it on this show if someone wants to write some checks. Yeah, uh, we'd probably end up having to pay them the way things work. We'd be paying Chuck Lorre. Every he time probably owns, it. does he own, does he, is he copyrighted the word owns, bazinga? I'm sure he's copyrighted, copyrighted bazinga. Probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it was just weird watching this movie. Like, it was weird watching a movie hit the rom-com beats without being a rom-com in any way, shape, or form. Yes, yeah, I think that is what feels weird about it is it it feels like it's supposed to be a rom-com, but it's not. Like, it, it feels like something has gone wrong. Which, again, it's a rom-trage. I mean, that really is. Yeah, it's, it's fully a rom-trage. Um, yeah. I like the opening scene. I thought that was a good establishing of, like, the characters in, in, in the movie. Other than the that's... video camera stuff, because that was cliched for sure by 2000. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think it wasn't it... Um, it was Pulp Fiction, right, that had a scene like that that was cut. That was 1994, if I remember correctly, where yeah. I've heard Qu like Quentin Tarantino say like, and I've seen the scene. There's a deleted scene where Mia Wallace is interviewing um, Vincent Vega with a camera. And he was like, I cut it because by that point, that was already like by Every 94. was doing it in 94. Yeah. 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 So this is six years after that. And there's still. But that being said, and I think plot wise, I understood it because then she had this tape. And it made sense. No, it, it, it did yeah. actually come to play, come into play later on. But I will say, too, like, I think they did a good job because I think the biggest thing and you probably over, you know, you you cast someone like the, the role of the husband is such a small role, ultimately, just in screen times. And you got a heavyweight to play this part, which I think was a really good instinct and was really important because he has a scene to give you a sense of who this like the whole movie is about the loss of this person right he, he has a central convey, character 
yeah, he has to convey who this guy was and kind of make you like this guy and care that he's about to die in five minutes of screen time or whatever it is. And I think he does that. And I think the stuff with him and Ben Affleck is charming. Like they have good interactions. They have a good rapport. You have a good sense of this dude. You like this guy. You feel bad that he's going to die. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a good choice. I think if they had, you know, they picked a lot of good actors to play these small roles that didn't have much to do. Not to say that I think Tony Goldwyn, like his role had a lot of meat to it, but, and then they cast a good actor to do it, which sort of definitely made sense. Um, no, it's Joe Morton. who's just wasted. Utterly wasted. wasted. Yeah. Wasted. Um, I just, this is just a fun piece of trivia is that, uh, so Tony Goldwyn and Alex D. Lintz, uh, who play father and son in this movie, voiced child and adult Tarzan in Disney's Tarzan. Oh, wow. That is interesting. A, I think that's a fun bit of trivia that, that came from this, that I saw in the IMDb trivia. So credit to the Internet Movie Database. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, but I, like, I wasn't bored watching this movie. No, it's, it's a competent uh drama for sure i have a feeling too and i I really hammered this at the beginning i kind of feel like a lot of why this movie is remembered like why it is just sort of accepted that it was maligned is because it came out in 2000 and then i think september 11th happened and then you were like this is a movie that if tbs or tnt or something was rerunning it like if it just like it could have had a rotation in home streaming or cable i'm sure it did but I'm saying I think what probably hurt it is it's about a plane crash. And so I'm guessing that after 9-11, this movie went away. <laughs> like It probably yeah. got shelved That's... for a long time. And I think that that over time caused people to assume because it's I mean, for like movies that we watch on this show, I think it's upper tier, like just in terms of like it, quality. It really, like, I mean, I think that yeah. speaks more to the quality of movies we watch for this podcast. But that's sort of the nature of the beast for what we're trying to do. But no, yeah. it's like it's it is forgettable, but it's not a bad like it's not a bad watch. Yeah, um, I I would say make sure you're make sure that you don't think it's a rom com going in. Yeah, don't don't go in in a lighthearted <laughs> like in, in the mood for a lighthearted faction. romp for uh, thirteen going on thirty or even forces of nature because it's not that. Yeah, wait, man, Ben Affleck has done some weird, some weird rom com. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, th- this movie it it definitely has. I think it's just that it's structured like a rom com and 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 edited like a rom. It, it almost feels like, you know, how they do those like YouTube videos where they edit the trailers of, edit like Forrest Gump to make it a horror movie. Like they do those trailer yes. edits. It kind yeah. of feels like this is a serious drama about coming to terms with grief, uh, that they edit into a rom com and and miss the mark a little bit. Yeah, so here's, for a bonus for everyone, if you've never seen these, the two best ones of those that I've ever seen are, we we mentioned Brokeback Mountain earlier, they took Back to the Future 3 and recut it to make it seem like it was Brokeback Mountain. I believe they call it Brokeback to the Future, and it's, the way that that works is, one, because they're dressed in Old West clothes, two, because... There's a lot of like clandestine conversations between Marty and Doc Brown. And then you have Clara, you know, the Mary, Mary uh, Steenburgen, Mary Steenburgen character, um, who's like around the edges of the fact that something is amiss. 
like it works way better than it should. And that one's hilarious. Uh, so watch that. And then the other one is Shining, where they re-edited The Shining to seem like it was a rom-com. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that one's very good. Yeah. So find both of those. I'm sure they must still be on YouTube somewhere. But those oh, are the they, best they ones of those. For sure are. Uh, but those. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so we're going to finally get back on track with rom-coms at the end of this month. Yeah, look, we we messed up this week, but the one thing that we can promise for sure is that next week's movie will for sure be a rom-com. It is unequivocally a rom-com. It definitely has the rom. It definitely has the com. You might even say it's the bomb. (laughs) Bazinga. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 